You're listening to Health 4.0 Leadership Podcast with your host, Namratha Bagaria. Welcome to Health 4.0 Leadership Podcast. My name is Namrata Bagaria and I'm your host. My guest today is Mr. Samir Navani and he is from Mumbai, yay, my hometown. And Samir right now is the Chief Representative of Dubai Chamber of Commerce in India. Welcome, Samir. Hi, Namrata. Good morning. Good morning and good evening to you because you're in India. So, Samir... My first question to all my guests is, please tell us a bit about yourself and where are you in the present health ecosystem? Hi, so uh, I head the office in India for the Dubai Chamber of Commerce and Industry. Uh, Being with the Chamber of Commerce, the role is fairly diverse and uh, uh, it's sector agnostic. Uh, So what I'll do is I'll take a step back. I'll look at some of the uh, key drivers that, uh, that help us decide what do we plan to do on the healthcare industry or, or with the healthcare sector. So if you look at three uh, main changes that are happening globally, one is logistics, the way we are accessing products. It has changed in the last 10 years drastically. We know that if, if it was just 10, about 10 or 15 years ago, we know that we would have actually gone to a shop to buy a product or being in India, we, were, we would have been fortunate to have some help to get products for ourselves at home. But now, with technology, it is possible for us to call for food when we are at work and have it delivered by the time we reach home. Or call for a footwear or clothes for uh, clothes and accessories for us and have it delivered at our home. If we don't like it, also send it back to the company and have a fresh piece or, or a different size or color delivered to your doorstep again. So the way logistics is evolving is one factor that's changing the way we are living in this world. Second thing that is changing uh, the world for us is the ability for us to access data. The ability for us to save data, the ability for us to analyze data and use that data for making solutions. Now, uh, recently we were working on a project called the Dubai Tech Tour, FinTech and Health Tech, where we had 15 scale-ups that were shortlisted from India, and uh, they had a virtual delegation where they were introduced to the key stakeholders in the industry in Dubai. And we had this company called AI Kinesh. So AI Kinesh is a company that uh, that has a software solution for MRI, and the solution can accelerate the speed of MRI by 2x to 4x. And it doesn't just end there; it can also help you to it can also help you to uh, to to get or it can also help you to, to to just analyze your data or your reports and print a, a pre-prepared report for you. Which So it saves a lot of time, not just for the doctor to analyze the report, and it gives you a ready report in front of you. So that was one of the company, and the, the way it was using AI and data for enhancing the speed of MRI uh, scans was phenomenal. The third thing that is transforming our, our lives is the way we are, uh, we, the way money is exchanging hands. I mean, just five or seven years ago, if we look back, we know that we could buy products by going 
to the shop next door. We could pay money right in front of us and buy products. But then with the help of fintech and technology that's available right now, at the click of a button, we know that we can send money to US, UK, UAE, or any part of the world and make a purchase that we want. So these are the three factors which are transforming the, uh, the each and every sector uh, in, in our lives or in business. And if you look at healthcare, these three factors are also having a great impact on the healthcare uh, ecosystem, as well as right from the healthcare delivery to, to the services that can be built around healthcare to the way we access healthcare as well. And for example, there was a company uh, which, which I met recently from Kerala that has uh, tech solutions for you to, uh, I mean, which has integrated end to end from telemedicine to the experience that you have within a hospital or, or a clinic that you visit to a follow-up that needs to be done. So a system that not only helps you uh, have telemedicine, uh, use telemedicine services or access doctors remotely, but also helps you, uh, uh, helps the clinics or the hospitals enhance their systems in order to manage their patients so that they don't have to spend say four hours, for example, uh, within the clinic or within the hospital for their appointment, but they can come in and go out in probably half the time or a quarter of the time that they would have otherwise spent. So these are the kind of solutions that uh, that are available, and that's been some of our recent experiences with the Dubai Chamber uh, and the healthcare ecosystem. It's amazing you bring this up because personally, even my own journey, which began 10 years ago, and I can attest that... Uh, logistics, data, and finance, uh, the way money can exchange hands, were very big influencers. So technically speaking, health was not the, the healthcare technology side of it was not the issue. There were these other things. For example, my first uh, project, which was in Peroni, which is a small uh, town in Bihar, Begusarai district. Uh, at that time, the government of India, especially the government of Bihar, had uh, really ramped up their institutional deliveries to help, uh, you know, uh, prevent maternal and child mortality, infant mortality. And I was lucky to work on one of those projects because we could do an app because what, guess what, you can deliver, like you had those means to get a woman to help her deliver. So had that not been there, that particular app or product would have not been relevant so that's the relevancy of it I can understand from my own journey and then again 10 years ago like you said data well 10 years ago we didn't have live exchange of information like you mentioned with the MRI machine right quick analytics because it's also the communications technologies have uh, sort of uh, really worked at a faster speed than before we I worked with GPRS and at that time it was uh, it was uh, something so slow and we had to like you know send packets of data make sure the form was small enough and the third part finance i had actually shut down one business because at that time 2012 i had a telemedicine it was more like a tele wellness thing for employee wellness where you could get a psychologist doctor but things which are still happening but eight years ago it was ahead of its time and my biggest pain point was actually money how will people pay me because at that time net banking it was itself catching up so I totally agree with everything you said. And the last point that you mentioned, not just a point of care, but also follow up, which is almost like virtualization of an entire service, right? A virtualization of an incident up to the end point. And that's the premise of Health 4.0, which is a complete replication of what you would do offline in an online 
or a hybrid way where technology is enabling those steps. So I think this is a perfect segue to go to the next question, which is, in your opinion, what are the top three obstacles, either in your personal journey or in your professional journey in healthcare ecosystem? Looking at specifically healthcare, uh, there are, uh, I would say there are a few challenges which stand out very, very clearly. And I think you, you touched upon a few of them from your past experiences as well. Mm-hmm. One of them is, uh, is innovation. We know that there is there is dearth of innovation that's that's available out there. There is there are n number of solutions that are available out there. For each solution, we might have uh, hundreds of companies, if not thousands, of tech companies working on a similar solution. So uh, so so picking the right uh, technology or picking the right solution for your business or for your region is something which is which is the key and which is the major challenge that uh, any organization would face. So uh, uh, there was a digital transformation consultant who once told me that maybe 72% of the digital transformation initiatives don't see the desired results that they were expected to yeah. see. Yeah. And that brings me to the second challenge that, uh, that one would face is the execution of the idea. The, it's, it's understanding the ecosystem that you're working in and adapting the solution for that ecosystem. So there was this uh, company that uh, that uh, that uh, that provides uh, plasma-based solutions for uh, uh, for uh, for couples who are trying to have a baby, or or which which could be a replacement for IVF. And uh, he told me a very very bright point. He said that Samir, uh, my solutions work best in Asia, and if you're looking at Asia as well, we know that geographies like Middle East or India are fairly strong markets for me because culturally people want to have a kid exactly, when they're married. Exactly. Or there is that social pressure on you that now that you're married, you should be having a baby. Oh yeah, and that's also a measure of success, right? It doesn't matter if you're a good human being or not. If you don't have marriage and kids, you're really not useful to the society. And that's a very, like, it still remains there. So. Yes, that, that was one thing. The, the other thing you pointed out was even in Asia, I mean, your uh, cultural views on surrogacy and the regulation around surrogacy in the, in the region also impacts the choices that people make. Yeah. The, the execution of the error, picking the right geography or picking the right solution and modifying the solution for a particular uh, institution or region or geography, something which is, which is another challenge that most of the healthcare or health tech companies need to think through for yeah. successful implementation. So that the, the second challenge would be the execution of ideas. Uh, the third one specific to healthcare, again, like the aviation industry, there are lives involved in it. Exactly. So the, the regulation plays an extremely important role in your idea or a healthcare solution being implemented or not being implemented. So recently, uh, another company that uh, that I interacted with is uh, Wealthy Therapeutics. So they have a tech-based platform where uh, uh, where you can actually measure or keep a tap or keep a track of your health records. So, for example, if you buy medicines for diabetes. Uh, you could have a QR code that's attached to their uh, to the medicine there. You could scan that QR code, and that is the only time you could have an access to the diabetes piece of their solution and keep a track of your uh, health accordingly. 
so, so the way they executed it was very curated in a way that not everyone could actually have an access to the platform, but then the ones who are actually uh, uh, who are actually using a particular drug or who are actually uh, uh, have certain uh, certain conditions would be given an access to that particular part of of the platform. And it was not just platform for uh, for the individuals. They also have a platform which which works with the healthcare service providers, the paramedic staff, as well as one of your family members in case they need to keep a track of your uh, health record as well. So in that case, it, it could be a very well thought through uh, solution in the sense that it was catering to the entire value chain of the uh, of the healthcare delivery, right from the healthcare service providers to uh, to the paramedic staff to the uh, to the uh, to the uh, uh, individual to their family members as well. So, uh, and the the challenge there was he he told me that Samir, our software in US needs an FDA certification uh, for software as a drug, whereas in India it doesn't need any licensing or there are no regulations around the use of our software. So regulations can change from geography to geography, and that is another thing that could impact the way you think about business or the way you think about executing your idea and how do you comply to the regulations specifically on the healthcare side. So, so these are, I believe, some of the uh, challenges that one needs to think in the healthcare uh, space. You know, everything you said is like, like I'm so happy. It's like music to my ears because at the University of Ottawa, I teach a course. Uh, right now it's an online way, but it's... Um, it's like a health ecosystems and regulations. So it started as a workshop and now I've made like a mini course around it. And this is exactly what I talk about. Are you really solving a problem or do you think you're solving a problem? Because the first thing what happens is when you come from, and this is a dichotomy, I've been in both worlds, like in healthcare world, public health, where people can really tell you what the problem is. And on the other side where people can really solve anything without even knowing exactly what they're solving, right? Because the app, is technically the app is solving a lot of things, but you don't know what it is solving for whom. But if both of them get together, still you don't make a success. Guess why? They didn't listen to what customer wants. So at least personally, I have matured over the years to focus on what people like, what people want, and and I can attest to that because I'm right now incubating another company uh, where initially the idea was, okay, let's have uh, elder elderly. Uh, population you know move more exercise from home and after doing tons of customer research interviews and talking to them it, what they want is to talk to someone so now we've moved from a senior fitness company to a senior recreation company just within a few days and that's what they're ready to even pay for like I already have people who are like yeah we want to do this we want this we and then fitness is a subset of it so at least I've improved a little bit there. And the second part you said geography. Now though Canada is, is kind of a leader in uh, tech research, where in terms of tech usage, it's not. So a lot of people, for example, if you go to Japan, the, uh, the people above 65 are really tech savvy. They have pet tech robots and things like that, right? But here, it's only because of the pandemic people have got on, on Zoom or started using that. Emails were being used. So now when I'm solving it, though as a researcher, I work in digital twins, which is like the next thing for health. I'm actually just making a simple email, Zoom, website-based solution to help 
loneliness, you know, and that's called being relevant because you can't make the user at any point feel like, okay, I don't want to, like, I don't know what she's talking about. So I think every time you say all these things, the right, because it takes a certain level of empathy to come down from all those expertise that you have. And a lot of times the tech startups are not made by mature players. They're made by students who are excited, which are not interdisciplinary teams. Most likely they're going to be two, three techies who have a, probably a cousin who will tell them, okay, you could do this, you could do that. I'm not saying all, but majority start like that. And that's fine. But at some point that need to include other people while you're in a waiting would come. And then that goes to the other part of my uh, understanding is regulations, exactly software as a drug. And this is one of the reasons where you see what kind of innovations come out. So when I was in India, the way I could think sky was the limit, right? Because you had different set of rules of the game. The rules of the game were different. Here, I would not play that game. Like, for example, EMR or anything related to because firstly, interoperability is a big issue, right? And secondly, people don't even own their data. Like I myself don't know my health data. It's with my doctor. And I need that doctor to sign off, send a fax, get a printout. We're still there in Canada. In fax, like we use fax here still. I mean, there's now starting after the pandemic to get rid of that fax machine. So let's see how that happens. But it's just so important that... It's like this, it's a bag of goodies. You need to know which goodie to give to whom, you know, you cannot just because you have AI available, doesn't mean your customer is ready for it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, uh, that's why uh, we say that there is, uh, uh, I mean, innovation comes like you rightly pointed out, innovation comes usually from the younger generation or from the, uh, from the uh, uh, kids who are out of college because they have a lot of ideas exactly but then there is another softer aspect of a successful organization which is understanding the subtle uh, uh, fabric of the culture within your geography or understanding uh, how the customers are behaving what do they want what's relevant for them how do we actually make them use our solution usability uh, so these uh, these are some of the things that that one needs to think through and then Unfortunately for us as human beings, we only have 24 hours in a day. And we choose to spend a lot of time on the things which are very, very close to our heart. It could be the technology or it could be spending time with the customers or it could be, it could be something else within, within the business. And that's where we lose out on the other uh, aspects which, are, which, which put together actually uh, is, is a good recipe for success. Exactly. And I think today, like you mentioned, uh, value-based uh, healthcare is the way investments are happening and ecosystem is the way products are getting built in a co-created manner. Like you have to have, if you are in a patient-centric uh, solution, then patient, or if you are in a community-centric solution, communities involved as you iterate your product because you cannot wait. Well, well, if you don't do that now, then when you go to regulations, you're anyways going to come back saying this is not safe, this is not secure, this is not that. For example, like when I was working yesterday on business model assumptions, what are the threats to your business, that kind of a question. I think in my case, the first threat to is even the slightest data breach, because this generation is very sensitive, like boomers are my target audience, right? So you, no matter what, I need to ensure that I have the best practices and even one notch up. And that's why I'm going to sit and talk to my tech co-founder or uh, that, listen, yes, it's a website and we can either take it for granted or we can really make sure everything is really tight from day one. Though it's recreation, we're not taking any personal 
but still be GDPR compliant and whatever the compliance is, we can follow to the best of our capacity with privacy first. That's the recipe to success. It may be slower for me to get more customers because my cost to then implement that would change. But then it's a sure, short recipe because then you will accordingly adjust your pricing and your uh, marketing, right? So also what, what decides success, and I was just telling this to my mother the other day, that uh, in India, the definition of success is scale. Okay? If you don't have anything less than a million people doing, you're not successful. But that's not the same definition of success in Canada. And I was telling her, my definition of success is because now I'm in Canada. It's a different definition. You know, so I think that's also entrepreneurs need to understand what are they defining as success. True. This was, uh, in fact, uh, while you speak of scale, this reminds me of, of, uh, of a recent interaction we had at a webinar wherein uh, we had Paytm as, as one of our speakers on one side and on the other side, a scale up from Dubai uh, into the payments and remittances space called Dinari Cash. And uh, uh, the guy from Dinari Cash was speaking about uh, expanding to newer geographies and uh, and being able to cater, uh, say, a Kuwait or a, a Bahrain or a Saudi sitting in Dubai and expanding his geography and market size. Whereas on the other side, we could hear uh, the, the representative from Paytm saying that uh, we have a 500 million uh, uh, customer, we have 500 million customers here in India, and uh, we are still not looking at an international uh, operations in a very big way because there is still a very large chunk of uh, uh, market that is not being catered to. Exactly. So scale is very relative. One might say that exactly. for me, uh, the, the way to grow is to look at an international market and grow my uh, uh, business accordingly. The other might say that there's still a huge chunk that is uncatered uh, or, or I can cater to sitting over here and then probably look at uh, international patients. So it's, it's very relative. Yeah, it's success, scale and uh, innovation. All these three terms are relative because what may be innovative for you may be something totally like regular for someone else, right? It all depends what you have been using. And what I find ironically Creating technology is one and using it is another thing. So even with online teaching, a lot of faculty members from computer science are like, this is not the same. And in my head, I'm like, well, all your, all your life, you've been building products to get people on board. And now everybody's on board, including yourself. You are not comfortable teaching online, you know? So it's, it's the irony of life. <laughs> so, yeah. If, uh, but like you said, this is, uh, this is, uh, uh, in, in every uh, tough circumstances, we see innovation taking the next leap or moving forward. That happened way back in uh, 2008 crisis as well. We see fintech and financial services uh, going up and uh, hopefully uh, during the current pandemic, we might see some transformation in the healthcare system. I think the way I, I think I said this in my last podcast, which I just released, uh, I think uh, two days ago with Dr. Kunal again, an Indian uh, who's not in Ottawa now, but what I said was this, you can either decide that, okay, my position in life is I just want to keep introducing technology to people or new ideas, which is great because that's needed. Or in my case, I took a complete reverse stand. I said, you know what, let me delete all those knowledge that I have and let me see how can technology or digital journey, not even tech, digital lifestyle become mainstream for people above 65. And what, because complete their entire life is offline right now. And if you suddenly want to put variables, you want to put AI, you're just talking things in the air. 
this person doesn't do anything online right so if you start getting them online in the most uh, acceptable way and i'm not saying this is the solution to solve many problems but at least for that particular population and like like so for me the success needs vision what is your vision as a country and then how would you include people to come to that vision because like say for example in india when we made the app you know what was the problem literacy was a problem people didn't know how to read a message so how do you tell that i can solve uh, uh, like say healthcare crisis through my apps when half of them can't even read what is written there i literally had to teach uh medical protocols while training for the app because they were like uh, we don't know how this happens and i'm like so you don't know this oh no this was not taught to us so when people are making technology solutions literacy mental health emotional literacy like in certain cultures it's okay if your spouse slaps you that's a part of being married but here like say where i live you can't it's just not acceptable so so when i was doing a lot of like say mental health in slums of mumbai that looks so different from now solving loneliness in adults of canada though the solution is the same right and 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 that maturity comes with time it comes with 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 learning failing but this also comes with vision today at least i have a, a more balanced view that i am not going to solve the world's problem i have some solutions which might and i think this as a chamber of commerce i think what becomes important criteria to judge is also see what the vision is because sometimes the vision could be we want everything connected it's so vague it's like we want to make the next gen everyone's making next gen i don't understand what that next gen is <laughs> so given this background what do you think should be the vision for health 4.0 in your opinion well if you're speaking about health 4.0 in my view uh, uh we look at health in two broad aspects one is the physical health yes uh, wherein we could speak about uh, preventive health care so that we ensure healthy living for the citizens of the geography the the other challenge that has come up recently is the capability of your healthcare system to be flexible and scalable so that's that's on the physical health uh, health side the other aspect when when i think of health 4.0 and try and, and i try and interpret uh, what health point uh, health 4.0 could mean is the mental health of of a person so that could include holistic living right from the choices that you make in terms of your work life balance in terms of the diverse set of activities that you engage in and train your mind to be healthier fitter and doing different things so i think these are the two broad baskets in which i would uh, i would i would put the concept of health 4.0 and focus on these things and as a reason as a reason or geography like you said when when you have a vision uh, i could speak for the vision of dubai in terms of healthcare they understand that for being a smart city or for being a sustainable city or for having a good standard of living for your uh, for your citizens healthcare is one of the factors which is extremely important beyond healthcare then there is education there is uh, employment for everyone there is cutting edge technology and access to good transportation so as a city or as a as a geography you could think of all these things holistically to ensure that the ecosystem is 
good for people to have a, a high standard of living. And then it's up to people to make the right choices in terms of uh, how they want to live, what what they want to do with their lives. And uh, you know that you have that uh, array of things in front of you for you to choose and make smart decisions. And then, of course, there's technology that is using data to help you make the right choices or help you make informed decisions. Mm -hmm. So that, that would be my uh, view of Health 4.0. I think I think it's very nicely put, and I I think within this I would like to remember a few other guests that I had like Umesh, and you know we met through him. So he mentioned leadership plays a key role, right? Because if your leaders are not thinking of health as a necessity or a human right, and upscaling that expectation from, so that's one part. So leadership. The other guests I had, I think two of them mentioned this. You may have the vision but the consumers are not ready. So consumer awareness at the same time would be a, you know, would, would, I would like to add that. And the third part, and we've discussed this in our previous conversation, cultural fit. Now, as we mentioned that you may have like, okay, the best diabetes management center, but if people are eating what they're eating, if they're not moving um, and they're not exercising, they're not de-stressing because culturally it's a different, which goes back to built environment. Now it's a hot geography, people can't go for a walk. So how do you enable like, you know, uh, gyms at home or if gymnasium is not that, then what is that that will make that person move more, eat better, things like that. So culturally adapting um, wellness solution because that's the real sustainability of your health system. It's not having a, I mean, you need the good diabetic care center, but that will not be useful if people are still eating and not taking medicines in time you know, um, and stress, stress definitely because Dubai has a very high <laughs> uh, urban lifestyle, right? Yeah, this is, uh, I mean, some of the points that you raised are, are very, very interesting. I mean, this, this I, I recall uh, my family visit uh, to Dubai about two years ago. I remember ent entering the Dubai mall at 2 p.m. in the afternoon and coming out of Dubai mall at uh, 11 p.m. in the evening. That would be, I think, uh, the uh, the the largest amount of time I would have spent in a mall in my entire life in one go, and when you're in Dubai Mall, you don't realize how time flies. For the moment you're out of the mall, you reach your hotel room, you just crash. You just it just hits that oh, I've been in the mall for about nine hours, and I was continuously walking from one store to the other, and maybe had a snack here, had a meal there, and then uh, you you realize. I mean, so in that sense there are different ways or choices that people can make uh, and of course the infrastructure is there ultimately it's, uh, it, it's the people that have to make the choice or smart decisions and that is where again technology can take you to a particular point in terms of helping you take a decision but in the end it's it's, it's your personal choice in terms of what do you want to do how do you want to live your life and that's where the holistic living uh, I was uh, listening to this very interesting TED talk by an 11-year-old uh, uh, kid about hack schooling. And he speaks about eight things that are necessary for uh, for holistic living, which includes time in nature, time family, doing different kinds of activities, meditation, and, and other things. So basically, having that diversity in your life so that your mind is not just trained to do one particular thing, but it's 
uh, while playing cricket or while playing sports, it's working and functioning in a very different way. But at work, it's functioning very differently. And when you're spending time with your kid or with your family, it's functioning very differently. So it keeps you active and healthy in that sense. Yeah, I think this leads to something that I did last week. There's something called infinite games framework, and maybe you want to check that. So if you want to include that in your policy or in your way you operate, infinite games is that there is no winner or loser in that. It's 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 a game where everyone's invited to play, and 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 but they're finite like outputs and games. And for example, healthy eating, physical activity is an infinite game. You can play volleyball or you could play beach cricket, or you could play a competitive sport, right? So I think for me, those kind of theories as a researcher, now this is not my business side, this is my like philosophical researcher side, like makes sense because now when we make the next generation of say gamification, next generation of immersive technologies, if you use these frameworks, it's going to be some, completely something else that comes out. I don't know what it would be. And that leads to my next question. Given our vision of physical health and mental health, what do you think are the biggest obstacles and biggest motivators to implementing this? Well, I mean, if you look at the physical health and mental health, and if you're looking at the obstacles, it's personal choices. And the biggest obstacles is us and our decision-making and our willpower to take the right decisions, our motivation to do the right things for us. Uh, the good thing right now is that we have access to a lot of technology. We have access to a, uh, a lot of things that can help us take informed decisions, that can help us uh, understand what could happen in the long run if we continue to do something that we are doing. And while we are speaking about uh, healthcare innovation or if you're speaking about uh, choices and different ways of doing things, that reminds me of a company uh, I recently interacted with, which spoke about, uh, uh, about gut microbiome analysis. They said that uh, the, the composition of, your, of the microorganisms in your gut uh, could have a very huge impact on your health. And based on the analysis of the composition of those microbiomes in your gut, you could probably have some uh, supplements or change your diet or have some nutritional intake that will help you reorganize the, uh, the microorganism composition in your gut. And that could help you solve a lot of uh, diseases uh, in the in the long run. So I mean, uh, there are different approaches available out there for people to make choices as well that will direct you in the right uh, in the in the right uh, way to make make those informed or smart decisions. I think you're saying this, and one of my guests tomorrow is a behavioral scientist who whom I'm interviewing for the podcast. And one of the key integrations that we've started seeing in health technology innovation is in, um, is using psychology, a lot of psychology and comp science together, because we've understood clearly only nudging doesn't work. This way of empowering, like how do I make decision? And I'll tell you at a very baseline level, my interactions with a lot of, because now I'm focusing on the senior population. One of the things that happens when you're out of the workforce is you don't have a routine. If you don't, Put an effort towards it like naturally like some people have a routine but some don't and then the, that starts affecting your choices like I've, I've spoken to people where they're like oh I get up at this time and then I'm eating my lunch at like x time and 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 you realize a lot of it has a lot of 
problem solving education that's needed to make that choices so that's again another tool of psychology that i use and as you're saying like if technology is going to take a stand you make a choice i think as a government or as a policy people are not educated enough to even make healthy choices because choices are not rational they're peer influenced and network influenced they're culture influenced and they also people want shortcut when amazon can deliver a product in a day why can't i lose my weight in that right so the the patience to wait for results especially with chronic diseases is is totally different than uh, with acute illnesses i mean these are some very interesting experiences that you have shared which uh, which reminds me of a few instances where i was interacting with one of my cousin's sisters uh, who who lives in the us right now and she was telling me that some of us given a choice uh i would just sit back relax sleep and order for everything over the weekend have it delivered at home and uh, and enjoy my life whereas on the other side her husband said that some of you have given a choice i would prefer going to a mall have that experience of someone showing you 10 different products for you to choose from and give you and direct you uh, to to making a decision in terms of what is suitable for you what is not suitable for you what is the benefit of buying something and uh, what would be the pluses and minuses of a particular product over the other and that experience is something that i enjoy so i mean it, it's also it's also the experiences that uh, motivate your choices and and that is where it is important to have uh, have those choices in front of you and then deciding the the other thing is uh, recently my mom retired about 9 uh, uh, months ago and the lockdown started so for us just a few months before she was retiring we were thinking about uh, activities that she could engage in in terms of uh, uh, in terms of keeping herself occupied ensuring so she has the right balance in her life Uh, so on and so forth but then the pandemic changed everything uh now as things are opening up a little bit we are thinking about uh she is thinking about what could be done and what she wants to engage in uh, maybe a singing class or maybe join a city group or maybe uh maybe go for a walk and set her routine for the day uh, so on and so forth so it it ultimately choices you know both the things that you said you will laugh so my thesis is understanding motivation to exercise and then how do you make that framework for the next ai that you can so that's what i am doing as a researcher and the second thing about your mother <laughs> that's what i'm doing as a business right <laughs> it's called it's called the as of now the working name is the morning club something to look forward to every morning because a lot of people above a certain age I, when i researched they said what's missing is something to look forward to and knowing that we still matter we are still visible so you see once you dissect loneliness it's not actually loneliness it's boils down to this and then i don't know how how further this idea will pivot or take turns but this is where i am so i'm happy to hear what you're saying it's like another customer feedback okay there is a need not just here it's also in india but of course execution is totally different in that geography and i'm not there yet because i need because india is a very fast scale market like i need to be done with my phd and not have other commitments in life to 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 tackle that beast so samir as a takeaway message what would you like to tell our listeners well uh, i would like to say that uh, healthy living firstly starts with the choices that we make fortunately we are in an age and generation where uh, we have the liberty 
to take things for granted, uh, to ignore the health that we have. Uh, but uh, it's it's our choices that that define our health, and we should make the use. Uh, we should make the most of the things that are available uh, to us right now, uh, which our parents or the older generation didn't have an access to. And the, the next generation, while we grow old, we will have uh, we will see more things being available to us, and uh, smarter decision making is something like uh, like you said, uh, or taking the right choices or making the right choices is something that's going to be increasingly important. So to hone on Samir's message, if you've been a regular listener, you've heard me saying healthy living is a skill and you can learn it. So we give it a positive spin through our company, Healthy Skills Inc., where the morning club is like one of our service lines. Um, Because when we just uh, put choices and people feel, okay, I don't know how to choose. It's a little disempowering. But when we say it's a skill, if you've not got it now, you will get it later. So thank you, Samir, for this amazing conversation, which makes me so excited early in the morning in Ottawa. Great, Namrata. It was equally a pleasure being here. Uh, wishing you a wonderful day. Thank you. You're listening to Health 4.0 Leadership Podcast with your host, Namrata Bagaria.